I did. Re- I do. Then you know the way I used to do that thing that you really enjoyed, where I'd read out Facebook comments. <laughs> <laughs> I was on Marketplace the today, and there was someone uh, looking for a uh, like bouncy castle. But she's like, if anybody knows of anybody that has a last minute cancellation on a dicko balloon, a dicko bouncy castle. <laughs> means a disco bounce castle. A dicko. On a dicko bounce castle. <laughs> uh, and all. Uh, I'm after being let and down. I'm after being let down last minute <laughs> by an absolute scumbag. <laughs> My son's communion is in the morning. I was like, oh God, ring around. You know what's really sad is that Facebook marketplace in America is amazing. Is it? You can get like proper vintage shit on Facebook marketplace in America. Like, mid-century stuff really cool awesome stuff Facebook over here Marketplace over here is I have this doll that has one leg five yeah. euro or free to the best owner like fuck off put something decent up like I have a lamp do you? you have a lamp that you got in Guyanese last week that you're selling for half the, for twice as what you fucking paid for it like I am um, yeah I like the, the people that put up the stuff that they're looking for oh yeah, yeah. looking for the mobile looking for the mobile home <laughs> Look for a mobile home uh, willing to spend uh, 27 euros. Like, <laughs> Max. Yeah, like, you're like, okay. Um, hello. Welcome to this week's episode. <gasps> of... Episode 62. We're seven episodes away from episode 69 where we are going to 69. 69. No, I'm not 69. Are you going on top or am I going on top? See, they're the things I think about when oh, these I've kind of sexual that, so positions... Like I just don't want to be like No I've never done with that With my Like lean and Oh it's no It's a lot of work I told you about the time I was watching that show called What's it called The Americans That was very sexual I watched that I watched it was first second season And there were points where I was like Oh jeez And I just would skip Because like this is a lot And they're a couple in real life Yeah Very odd But they weren't they're a couple their, their kid walked in on In that show See that's that, That's what I was going to say right? So two of them are like She's lying on the bed No one can see me now So I don't know why I'm doing it <laughs> But she's lying on the bed on the side. Yeah. Arse sticking out of the bed. Yeah. Clearly naked. Yeah. And then... Uh, You're a man. No, it's not. It's fucking him. He's lying that way, arse out, and the daughter walks in. And the man just appears up from the hip and looks at the daughter, says nothing. And the daughter just leaves. Oh, what the hell? And I well, mean, now, what was the point of that? Yeah, well, now see, that's exactly so. I immediately was like, How did that drive the story? Uh, I'm not watching this anymore. There was no, there, nothing drove uh, that story. It was supposed story. to be like a disconnect between her her and the daughter, and I was like, You could have, like, emphasized You could have done that way. in a totally different way. Like, rather than, like, Walking in your parents' 69. Like, I was like, What? What? Who does that? If you're 69, send me a message about it. No, don't. <laughs> don't. I don't want to fucking know what you're doing. These are all animals. I call this episode if you sixty-nine. Send me an email. Send me a message. Send about me a message. Tell, tell me what you really like. Hey, it. tell me what you're into. Um yeah, anyway, I remember watching that episode with Graham and being like, Well, I just need to make cupcakes and so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. I, I think I said to him, There's no need for that. No need for it. Like, I watch so many TV shows and movies and stuff where I'm like, how did that sex scene drive the story? Yeah. It didn't. It was just a sex scene. Or like a lot of like rape scenes and stuff like that in shows and movies and like that was completely unnecessary. I think in that show she's raped as well. Oh, I didn't watch that. I'll tell you what really bothered me. Go on. And everybody's going to disagree with me. And I know they are. The Game of Thrones episode where the big guy rapes the girl. I don't think everybody would disagree with oh, you. I think because... they're like, he's a beast. Mm, did we need to see him raping her? Did we did we need to see that? Like I never just, watched I know I saw I, I start, stopped I stopped watching that show. See I started I watching Game of Thrones after that. I don't care about magic and I don't care about dragons. 
So mm. that was me out. Well, like when I first started watching it, I thought it was. Will she be... have any happiness? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, when I first started watching it, I thought it was going to be like a drama setback. Whenever you know what I mean, or like set in those like crazy times. Um, and then it started getting magicy and dragony, and I was like, mm, no, I'm out. Yeah, that I'm might... not into fantasy stuff. I'm not into fantasy stuff. Like I get so bored. I'm like, oh really? There's a dragon. Yeah. Yeah. What's dragon gun do? When they're like, this is the magic fire. <laughs> fire is just fire. And there's always some sexy woman that walks out and is like, blah, 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 in a robe, and then she just drops her robes. You just see her boobs. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. all of those shows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All how, of those. That's shows. how I entered the bedroom every night. <laughs> but I, I, can, I don't even know if that's a thing in the show. But I can guarantee you, there is a sexy woman who wears like a, a, a light robe. And she's walking around like this and then just drops her ribs and shoot her boobs. Yeah, no, that, that happens. That happens so that but there was to... a lot of front on vag as well in Game of Thrones. Was there? Yeah, so in Game of Thrones, they were like, it was all front on vag and all front on tits. And there when was no front on penis. Shocker. And then people started to complain about it and become more vocal about it, about the fact that like, you know. How about we don't see any of it? Yeah, well, then. How about you put your big dick in the so I can, began... <laughs> I can live a happy life and I don't then want to see it. was like, well, we'll go 50-50. Oh, and do you know the only thing is when I watch those shows all I ever think is in the context of where it's set they fucking stink yeah you can smell that vag two floors up <laughs> dirty fuckers that's the name of the street do you know what I think sometimes when I name the episode that people are like this is a true crime podcast and it's meant to be very serious and then they go and they see the episode it's called you can smell that vag two floors up <laughs> Or like d- dolphin blue balls and I'm like what do people think this is oh my god I have to write that down Chief that's boys. a very good that's a good one tell me uh, things what would you like me to tell you I'd like you to tell me that you're not stressed anymore oh, I'm still very stressed no! now. I'm not stressed I'm not I'm just under pressure that's the difference <laughs> it's not yeah, <laughs> I don't like pressure Graham <laughs> um, said I wear it well um, yeah, we need to put people don't understand what we're talking about you're like, haha, Rev Run. I put the picture up of Sarah looking like Rev Run, <laughs> even though she doesn't look like Rev Run. Um, she just looks like a boho lady. I am not stressed. I'm just under a great deal of pressure. Okay, okay. I just have a lot to get done in a very short period of time. And I have very few people that can assist me in doing it. And my expertise is required. Shit. And that's it. It's just, there's a lot of it and it's needed. And there's no if, buts, or maybes about it. I just have to get stuck in and get it done. So like, to say I'm not stressed is probably... I don't feel stressed. Like I'm not going home being like, oh, oh like I'm in jeopardy or like I yeah, can't get this done. Yeah, yeah. I'm just more like I have to manage my time more effectively and I do struggle with that. <clears throat> no, I, um, I struggle with time management very much so. I get I get overwhelmed and I start trying to do four things at once. No, see, I get overwhelmed and I, used and I to just do that. go sleep. I used, to, <laughs> I used to do that in college. Uh, when, if I was really stressed out in college and I had like loads of work to do, I would start doing everything at once and then just get completely overwhelmed because I yeah. couldn't make myself go focus on this because when I'm focused on this, I'm going, that needs to be done, that needs to be done. And I do that sometimes in work when I'm like super overwhelmed. Yeah. So I was like, take a step So back. I think I was very stressed at the beginning of like, obviously me and you were talking on yeah. Friday, I think it was. Um, but I came up with a plan over the weekend. I had to do a lot of work over the weekend and put the plan in place from Monday and it yeah it'll get there it'll just, get there. It'll just take uh, it'll take consistency which is something I don't like I know I know but you'll uh, get there and yeah. you're going away I'm going away she's going to London are you from London she's going to London town uh, with, Lily, with Lily and Graham it'll be fun you'll have a great time yeah you'll eat lots of nice food yeah go to Chrome 
It's a it's a French toast restaurant in London. I oh, believe okay. it's just it's in Carnaby, I think, but it's meant to be amazing. I don't know what we're going to do actually. I haven't got planned each day. You know why that? Because I'm not going. No, I have like plans. I will be like, this is what we're doing. So we're going to uh, the aquarium on the first day. Oh, nice! And then we're going to the Lion King on the Sunday. Cool. And then on the first day, we've also got that like I don't know what's called some fucking forest cafe or something. The oh rain, yeah, the rainforest rain cafe, cafe yeah. for Lily, right? Because she loves all that shit. And then the Sunday, which is my birthday, we have afternoon tea booked in the cafe Royal. Nice. Royal, Royal. Um, so I've got things booked each day, but like, I'm that. really worried about getting there and not being able to get from the airport. Why would you not be able to get? There's from no there? fuel. No, there's no drivers. It's the main thing that's happening. There's no, there's no petrol. No, I was reading this the other day. Apparently, there's. I was reading a thread on Twitter, and they were saying that it's kind of coming across that there's no diesel or no petrol but it's actually just that there's no drivers and it's kind of been slightly misconstrued you will absolutely get from the the hotel the airport don't even worry about it they're saying that there is do, do not worry like on the news they're saying that like suggests no plans Hitchhike. to prioritise key workers at the fuel pumps they're like the, there's garages shut down and look there's massive like tailbacks because people are panic buying because they think there's no fuel no, you'll be fine you'll be fine the so, taxi the taxi people have this shit sorted I love how um I love how none of this was considered when they fucking agreed no, for Brexit. No, because they thought that it was, what was going to happen is they were going to wake up in the morning and all the Muslims would be on boats out of England. Like, where did they think... Because all that's the, all they like, thought was going to happen. Like, where did they think all the Eastern European drivers that deliver so all of their foods were going to come from? They're so If dumb. now they can't get visas. They can't get visas. Because it's not a free yeah. workspace. Because it's not seen as an essential job either. No. So they're not. And, well, it's not even an essential job. It's not seen as a... Um, Special requirement. Yeah, special requirement job. job. So yeah. you need to be like you to get a visa. Like, as we have people in at my job that I have to like do their visa yeah. stuff, um, and I have to the amount of stuff I have to do to uh, quantify that I couldn't get anybody in this country to, to do, do that job, job, so I could get his, so I could get their visas. Isn't that crazy. Like Flavio is the same. Flavio is seen as that because he's uh, in language, so like they basically need translators. So that's the reason that he's still considered. Uh, like essential or whatever but um, he's very lucky they're very lucky and they also increased their wages so they'd be at the bracket where the government couldn't be like well you're not paying them enough to warrant them staying in this country so they all got wages increases to, to match that it's crazy but I just don't I don't understand how that stupid fucking buffoon was like it's he does not care he's gonna do this for another little while then he's gonna fuck off and go like spend a little time on in France on on some southern France beach which is in Europe by the way <sighs> and live his pathetic gross ugly fuckhead life he doesn't care he didn't care about those people when he joined the government he certainly doesn't care about them now um do I have any housekeeping housekeeping yeah. thank you to everybody for your messages and for your kind words well i'd like to and... say sad captain Oh yeah, sent Megan. L- oh, L- L- Megan sent Lily the most beautiful prints, and they're Thank you, so Megan. lovely. And she's so over the moon with it, and she loved your note, and she said she's going to make you some art tonight, and we're going to post it to you. Um, because now I have your address. <laughs> we know you live. Oh, um, uh, R. Kelly's going to jail. R. Kelly can now, fuck. I was annoyed because people. It was like ten years to life, and then I was like ten years, and then I was reading some lawyers thing on Twitter and they were like that's the limit she was like they have to say 10 years to life because that's what rape charges start at so she was like 10 years to life is just a blanket like as to cross what she was she was like he'll get at least 40 years at least wow yeah so she was like as I was like and then I read this lawyer's 
spread. She was like, it's just... Sometimes when I'm really upset with things, I go and watch the interview he did with Gail. Oh my God. He was like, they're trying to kill me, man! <laughs> and she was like, yeah, you raped some people. You uh, raped and groomed a lot of people and you married Aaliyah when she was... 15. Yeah. And no one in Aaliyah's family was like, hey. He did it in secret. He did it in secret, yeah. But then uh, no one stood in and tried to help her. No, no one. 15 years old, he married that girl. That is a child bride. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's going to jail. I hope he rots in jail uh, forever. He is a fucking piece of shit. And he's a rapist, grooming garbage human. So, rotten hell. Um, was there anything else in the news? Was there any controversy? Did anything happen? Nope, nothing. It's been quiet, uh, it's, even though everything is still awful and lots of bad things are still happening. Uh, it's been quiet. Uh, I haven't wanted to throw my phone across the room when I wake up in the morning. Also, my, my th- therapist is making me do this thing in the mornings where when I t- get up in the morning and I turn on my phone, not to check social media and not to look at the news. Do you She's do like, that? I'll, I log in and go straight to the news. Like what awful things are happening today that I personally need to know about so I can want to cry. I do. I don't. I know. I would turn on my phone and go straight to like the chime thing for work. No, I see. But that's not good either. I know. She was like, you have to get out of bed. You have to brush your teeth, decompress. You have to give your mind an hour to wake up because what's happening is you're just like pummeling yourself with bullshit. So you're immediately waking up and you're like, oh, like there's no break there's no like you know, this morning when I woke space. up this is true so I woke up this morning and I had had like an unsettled sleep all night yeah. and then when I woke up this morning my heart was racing and yeah. then I turned on my phone and went on the chime and my heart was racing so there you more. go and I was like you need she said like as, as shitty as things are she was like you need because she does it she said I get up in the morning I check my phone for the time I put my phone face down on my bed or on a counter or whatever I have my shower I brush my teeth I get my breakfast I get myself together I go to work she was like and then and maybe I'll search something but like I've been trying it now the last couple of days and it actually does help. Yeah. Like it really helps. Like I'm less kind of like, because there's mornings that I wake up and I look at the news and I'm like, oh my God, what's that? 7,000 people dead and no one cares. Yeah. Everyone's starving. Uh-huh. And she's like, and she always says to me, besides giving money and aid, what can you do in that moment? Yeah. She's you like, know, Brian was saying that, that to me recently. Me and Brian were talking about it and he was, he's kind of like, he gives what he can and he's like, I've done what I can. I was like, yeah, I know. I just feel shitty about being born in a country with all this privilege. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, but you can't help that. And I was like, yeah, I know. But I think that's a terrible attitude. Yeah, and that is the thing. It's like a thing where I'm like, I can't help this. I, I didn't ask to be born here. This is not. My, but then my brain is like, well, you dumb bitch. Yeah. Look, you're going to get up now and go and get a tea. And what you've spent on that tea could feed a family of five in some other country. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to try now from tomorrow. Yeah. I just. I'll like, do a pack. Yeah. Honestly, it works. It really has like totally chilled me out and I don't read social media before I go to sleep either I take a break I stop reading at like 10 o'clock and I don't read anymore and I don't go on anything and I don't check anything because we we're not meant to be this upset about so many things yeah I think for me it's the stimulation like it's like this thing on Twitter and Instagram this guilt thing where they're like I see no one is talking about this I'm like, everybody is talking about this, but nobody knows knows what to do. Yeah. Like, we don't know what to... Tell us how to... And then people tell you how to help, and they're like, will you help like, with that? Why aren't you helping with this? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> tell me what... Like, so it is that kind of constant... Because a lot of this shit and a lot of this, like, online activism is guilt-tripping. 
and it's to build their numbers up and their Twitter numbers up and their Instagram numbers up and their likes and their engagements. Why don't we do that? And because we're not scum. Oh, okay. Like we're not on we're not online. Instead of saying to somebody, uh, you know, a little bit of tidbit of information about this. Instead of going that, being like, hey guys, if there, if you can help, here are some links to where you can help. That's but then there's people just online making you feel like and and it does affect me if somebody's like, well, you, you help with this, but why aren't you helping with this? And I'm like, oh, immediately yeah. trying to help with that too. So there is that guilt. I never. Complex. I always wonder how you have any money. I'm constantly doing it. Con- constantly doing it. Like you'd be it. like, um, I just, I gave this and then I sent this person that and then I'm, I'm like, just like, I can't. Where have you got all this money? I just the guilt, like, there are days, that's why I stopped doing because there's days where I wake up and I see something and I'm like, hey, what do I do? Like, the Greek wildfires. I couldn't deal with the Greek wildfires. I was like, ah. and then I was trying to find ways to help and I eventually found ways to help. But like, trying to find ways to help, I was so stressed. Because they were like, all oh, the trees are gone. This 500-year-old olive tree is gone. I'm like, it's gone. <laughs> the olive tree is gone. Did you see it's the volcano? It's never coming Did back. Did you see the volcano in Spain? No. No, it's not. No one's dying. <laughs> Relax. Calm down. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Throw money in the volcano. <laughs> hey, yo. Stop it. Is it gonna, um, it's exploded it already did it exploded and no one has been hurt they well, have had good. to evacuate some houses okay, that's okay. but it's fine <laughs> but everybody's fine everybody's okay and they're gonna rebuild okay uh, they have a plan but I was watching I was watching I saw like a whole lot of firemen just standing at the bottom of the road just watching it just like, but they're all just being <laughs> what the fuck are we they're doing? all just being super Spanish man. I was chatting yeah and it because it moves so slowly but they were saying that their big concern now is that like it's gonna hit the water and is a hydrochloride's released yeah so they're like that irritates your skin in your eyes it was that girl uh, I was once again on Instagram and she had like one of those masks on to cover her face and her body and she got burned by the fumes from lava and she got like third degree burns all over her body and she was like people don't understand most of the time it's never the lava that does the damage it's the fumes, the fumes. coming off the lava and her whole body got burned that's insane yeah and she said that they people were like why didn't you run away and she was like we can't run away from fumes like they were fumes. Yeah, it's vapor. Um, so they were saying that's the that's the thing they have to be concerned about now. But um, I just the videos were kind of really like they were all just chill. <laughs> we're all just like, like what can we do? It's yeah, watching it's a lot of it is kind of relaxing. But uh, I always want to like touch it. Touch it. I was like that when I went to the uh, glass plant. Forbidden soup. Because they call them gobs. Gobs. Yeah. Oh, when they're making the glass. Yeah. Yeah. So, but when you're in like a big glass plant, so you know when you watch it on and yeah, yeah, doing yeah. like the hand blown glass, yeah. it's not like that. So you're in a glass plant, the furnace is up in the top floor, right? And the gobs fall through they the machinery. It's not them dropping like, it. It's not, yeah, and sorry. I was like, so when you're standing, and it, it's really cool. So it drops through the machinery and then it hits the bottom and then it lands on like essentially a, it drops through a tunnel. Right. Um, But it's like a really open tunnel because it can't touch anything. Yeah. And then it lands on the bottom of this like metal machinery that's obviously like built to deal with the like temperature. Yeah. And in the bottom of that machinery is a blow. Like it's a like thing that blows out air. Oh. It goes whoosh. And then it is... So the glass expands? Yeah, but it expands into the shape of the frame, which is the shape of the bottle. That's so cool. And it does it, like, it's seconds. So every, like, 30 seconds. But the machine does, like, 18 at a time. So they're just falling down. And I was like... so cool. I was like, I want to touch the gobs. And then when you're up, because, like, obviously the higher you get in the building, that's where the furnace is. Yeah. But obviously heat rises as well. So it gets hotter. And in the... In the um, glass plants, in all of the floors, on every kind of, like, form meters yeah there's fridge rooms 
Oh, is that like cool down the stuff? Yeah, you can. No, for you, for you physically. Oh, to go in and be like. <sighs> yeah, because they were like, you will walk around and like quite often, like maybe. You'd just be swashed. Like, no, maybe like twice a week you'll find someone just passed out from the heat. Oh, shit. Yeah, because it's really hot. It's incredible. My granddad used to work in a glass That's plant. That's insane. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it was really interesting the glass plant. I would really love cold, to go to a glass plant. But I genuinely was yeah, like, I would have been like, like a and, were, and he was like, Jer- I was like, what would happen? And he was like, have you ever seen uh, Star Wars? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, you know when it goes through? He was oh. like, that's what would happen. And I was like, yeah, but for a split second, just it's like, like pretty cool, right? <laughs> 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 I'm like, yes, I did. <laughs> have you seen the um, the good soup meme, meme going around? No. That episode, I haven't seen this. I haven't watched Girls. I know you've watched Girls. But there's an episode apparently where the two of them meet up after breaking up and they're in a cafe and he's eating soup. Yes. And he's drinking soup and he goes, good soup. So everybody's making memes about the good soup thing, but it's like when you're eating or when you're drinking the milk from your like Cocoa Pops at the end and she's like, she's good, soup. good soup. Yeah. <laughs> I have to find some good soup memes for you because I was yeah. laughing because I was like, Sarah would appreciate this because I for ages was like, what the fuck is good soup? Yeah, that's and then like I the last season. Good soup meme. I eventually figured out what the fuck was going on. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it was on Instagram and I was like, what the fuck is good soup? And I knew it was his voice and then I found that clip and I was like, That scene oh. is really sad. Yeah, people were saying it's like desperately sad. It is desperately sad. And yeah, he does, he, she does this thing where she does that, like, the scene is, I know girls has lots of problems, but that scene is so beautifully put together. Oh, maybe I'll watch that And scene. it's so perfect. And is that because they're broken up and they want to get back together but they know they shouldn't get back she's together? She's pregnant. Oh! So she's pregnant for someone like that. She's she just had like a one night stand with. Sorry, finally he's not seeing girls. Listen, it's been out for 15 years. Um, and he is with... So they, in this, in the entire show, they're together and then they kind of like break up, but they break up for like really kind of silly reasons. Well, it's never really... He kind of does something that's awful. Okay. And you can't really understand why he's done it. But okay. then she also kind of expects him just to wait for her and to get her shit together. And so okay. when she comes back without it being planned her coming back she, he's with somebody new oh of course yeah, yeah. he's with and um, so then they break up and they never really get back together and then he starts to date her best friend oh the J- Jemima Khan that yeah, yeah and yeah, they yeah. try to keep it like they try to not date each other and they're like we're not going to and she's like I can't do this and then they get together and it like they don't tell her and then she kind of figures it out as like an at an art event and she's devastated oh no but then she awful. kind of like gets on with things and moves on right and then but they always are kind of crossing paths and in each other's lives and you can tell there's this like sense of like well what could have been yeah 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 um, and there's a real sense of like he is like massively in love with her like Aww. that he loves her but he can't be with her yeah um not even that he can't be with her that she's just like no fuck you you've done this to me because he's gone to the dark side yeah uh, exactly um, so then she finds out that she's pregnant and he wants to have a kid really badly so is he like I'll pretend to be the baby daddy no and he's like I'll just like so he tells the one that he's with I have to go and be with her like I have to and the one is like lets him go so she lets him leave yeah. and then he goes and meets Leonard Dunham's character and they meet up and they kind of have this like it's like this real sense of like you feel like you kind of feel like this is the happy ending of yeah, the show yeah, yeah. and then it's not and then they're kind of planning they, so the whole episode is them planning like what's going to happen and how they're going to get on with their lives and all yeah, the great yeah. steps they're going to make and then they go to this diner and they start talking about like changing their apartments and how they're going to move in together and slowly but surely you realise in silence it's like a, an undercurrent that they're like not that gonna, she's realising that like it's not gonna work no I can't do this like I can't 
Oh no! And he then starts to sense it. And he says good soup. done in this way that like they don't talk about it. And so is that it then? Yeah and then the end of the episode he walks back to the apartment that he has with the other one. And does she tell him to fuck off? No he he rings her to be like "I I left my keys there. And she looks out the window at him and throws the keys down and she sees him walk in and she kind of has a smile where she's like well clearly I let him go to do this thing and clearly it's not going to be what uh, we thought it was going to be. I would, when I tell you I would have fucked those keys right I in know, his head. I know. But when you watch the show you kind of understand why they're in that part in the relationship. No, but what I mean about yeah what I mean about <laughs> No offence to Americans! <laughs> about it being so eloqu- eloquent is it's like a real conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really well written. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it is, you know, when you watch TV shows and everybody's and talking about ridiculous. all their feelings yeah, all the time, yeah, yeah. and no, people don't act that sometimes way. Sometimes you don't. Ha- sometimes you're just like, I, I can't even have this. I can't. Yeah, I can't say this, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it just hurts too much to say it. But you know what I mean. So like, we just, need, you know, those t- those, and it's done in that way, and it's so real. Okay, well, I will watch that. Scene. Um, and you should watch that probably that episode. Like Lena Dunham's character in that entire show is problematic from start to finish of course. and she is entitled she's a whiny rich girl but she <laughs> she know like she plays it as if she knows she's entitled yeah 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 um, but there's so so much shit that happens in that show that you're like what Good. there's an entire episode where she just ends up in a doctor's house two you episodes me this, and yeah, just yeah. is like having sex with this random guy in like his big fancy apartment and then she's like well I have to go yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of nothing. There's a lot of nothing, and then mm. there's the stuff with him is quite substantial. Yeah, he is very very he's good. He's a really in good it. actor. Yeah, he is very good. In it. But she at times is a very good actor. She got and married then she's the got other day. some great episodes in it. Um, anyway, that's been uh, the girls. Been the girls' corner <laughs> with Sarah Jane and me just going. <laughs> we should have a girls' podcast where you watch an episode and then I go, no. uh, yes, and you tell me about all the things that are wrong with it. And Our I friendship go, is over. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Good soup. Good soup. Good soup. I would. Good soup. I know you would sit on his face. 69 him. <laughs> would you? Yes. Oh, he's too big. For him. It would be like in that show where I'd be on the side. I'd be like, that's fine. You're not squashing like me. I'm not squashing you. I'd morning. be so self-conscious. How do, how do, you, how do you get that comfortable no, with your body no. with somebody else? No, it'd be like Colin brushing his teeth in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok video of like this girl listening to her dad oh, he's like, <laughs> scream Lily just be like Lily's be standing outside the toilet being like what's me. wrong with him like I was this morning I could hear him in the bathroom and I was like <laughs> why do men what do is he doing <laughs> and then like sometimes I'm like are you okay and he's like I'm just brushing my teeth I'm just brushing my teeth <laughs> what are you brushing the same and then Graham throws up yeah, can yeah. make themselves throw up. Yeah. Yeah, but if you're doing that long enough, like, and you're, because it's physically gagging, like, it's not like, huh, it's like, huh, what are you doing? He's going to cut all of this out. But it's true, and I hope he doesn't cut it out. It's all true. Anyway, that's, that's the this. I have nothing else. Yeah, do, you do your else? fucking story. Hey, Colin, tell us about the Patreon. Sure thing, Lily Pops. Hey there, MMI fans. It's me, Colin, and do I have news for you. It's all going down over at www.patreon.com forward slash Irish, where we've totally revamped our Patreon offering for you mega fans. That's right. Now all of your favorite Patreon stuff can be found in one place as we bring you our MMI Super Show exclusively for Patreon, featuring all the usual banter and chat between Emma and Sarah Jane, plus me thrown into the bargain, along with Lily's Tales, Maximilian, 
Serena's bell bag and some surprises along the way. But that's not all. Every single week, due to popular demand, we will be bringing you a full-length story, whether it be miscellaneous most Irish for those cases that just don't fit on the main show, murder most international for those cases you guys have been crying out for, or even music most awesome where we talk about our favourite albums. But wait, there's even more! How about MMI Drive, the fan favourite podcast show where Emma and Sarah Jane drive around Dublin talking about all sorts of shite, plus our monthly Ask Me Arse segment where you get to pick the brains of the girls and maybe even ask me a question or two. So what are you waiting for? Come on over to www.patreon.com forward slash Irish and join in the fun for only six euros a month. Give my mommy six euro. <laughs> um, this story was actually suggested by Alex Moody on Facebook. Moody is a great fucking great Alex surname. Alex Moody, you think everybody's surname is a great surname? Alex Moody. That's like, I've got this book recently by Alex Moody. Isn't there a crazy cult leader called Moody? Oh. Alex, are you related to the cult leader? That's right it's M-O-O-D-I, I think. Anyway, Alex, thanks very Alex, much. I'm thank you for... Yeah, well, Don't stop following us. <laughs> we need all the followers we can get. Um, so yeah, thank you, Alex. We're going to do this. So this is... Uh, my case this week is the murder of Jill Marr. Do you remember this story? Yes. So I got... I have a lot of references, but I'm going to read them out quickly and they're going to be on, on the page as well so people can read. So Murder in the Land of Oz, season three, episode one is a podcast that I found that's very, very, very good. All right. Uh, Men's Right, episode 35. Of course. Uh, Chillingcrimes.com, The Irish Mirror, The Journal, Wikipedia, WhiteRibbonBlog.com, True Crime Sisters, which is another podcast that I found that's really, really good. Um, there was a little documentary, short documentary on YouTube called Crimes That Shook Australia, season three, episode 10. Murderpedia, Coroner's Court uh, for Victoria, which is basically like they, you're allowed to read the court coroner's report and the court documents. Yeah. Uh, ABC.net.au, which is the Australian ABC, and her.ie. Her. Her. Ladies and gentlemen. Her. Um, so yeah, as I said, trigger warnings for rape and sexual assault. There's a lot of, it's, there's a lot of this in this story. So, um, this is very long, so I apologise. I'll get through it as quickly as possible. Anyway. You don't take your time. Why don't you? you can lie don't back if you want. Lie back if you want. Yeah, if you're um, yeah relax, relax, relax. So at around 3am on the 21st of September 2012, Tom Marr awoke and realised his wife, Jill, 29, was not in bed beside him. Uh, Jill had been out with her co-workers that night and it was extremely out of character her, for her to be out that late and not contact Tom to let him know, let her know. Tom walked around their house calling out for her, thinking and hoping she may have fallen asleep on the sofa. When he couldn't find Jill in the house, he started to call her mobile phone. Tom called her phone a number of times and each time it went to voicemail. He then decided to try and call Jill's friends uh, to ask if they had seen her, but no one knew where she was. So he sent WhatsApp, Facebook messages to people. He texted people and they were all like, no, we don't know where she is. So Tom began to panic. He left the house and began walking the street close to it, close to the home he shared with Jill on Luck's way, trying to find her. Tom walked for nearly an hour, calling out Jill's name, but to no avail. Close to 4am, Tom called the police to advise him that his wife had not returned home and she was missing. What would happen in the following days will cause utter devastation and outrage to Tom, their family and the world at large. So Jill McKeown was born in County Louth on October 30th, 1982 to her parents, George and Edith McKeown. Jill had one brother named Michael and soon after his birth in 1990, the McKeowns decided to relocate to Australia. George was an accountant and decided that he would find better employment outside of an Ireland that was barely climbing out of a decade of recession, unemployment and emigration. 
Everybody went to Australia. Everybody. So many Irish people. Everybody. And that like kind of was from the early 90s and then it kind of, you know, dissipated. And then like... 2000s. 2000s. Everybody went again. Like... 2007. Yeah. Like, and it's so funny when Irish people are complaining about people coming over here and And taking taking our jobs. jobs. And blah, blah, blah. What they mean is they mean people with a slightly darker skin tone coming over here and taking our jobs. Yeah, but I agree with that because they look better in things. Slightly darker skin tone people. They do. They look amazing at all times. Yeah. And we just look like pasty gross potatoes I don't want to be reminded of that I don't want to stand beside you if you're beautiful get away from me so many beautiful people like so many beautiful people um, so George we're messing with the way we have absolutely got you if you're beautiful don't stand beside me it's like you know in that get episode, away from you me you know that episode of Curly Rock where Jenna's Jenna Maroney uh, Jenna Maroney and what's her name comes in the girl that's the, the, her the assistant you know, yeah the and she comes in and she's like don't stand next to me yeah. <laughs> so George Edith Jill and Michael loved Perth they moved to Perth not only was there the massive the massive change in climate and weather welcoming but Jill and Michael loved the laid back atmosphere and even though they were quite young they both took to it very well although George's job was going well and the kids were enjoying Australia they still missed Ireland and when Jill was 14 the family decided to move back even though this was the second major move for someone so young Jill settled back into Ireland quite quickly Jill's mum described her as a kind, clumsy and precocious child. She spoke her mind from an early age and took no shit. Oh, Zero Jill. shit. Jill taking a, no shit. Taking no shit. Jill attended Drogheda Grammar School and St. Oliver's Community College in Drogheda. When I tell you, it's hilarious trying to watch anybody who's not Irish pronounce Drogheda. I work with a lad. Oh, the podcasts were so funny. Yeah. Drogoda? Yeah. He just said, yeah. Yeah. Drogata I say sorry Where are you from You sound like a fucking Dak Rathy Drogata Yeah he's like Drogata I just say Where are the drivers today Drogata Drogata Calm down But yeah It's just like Listening to you Because our names Are very confusing But just the way people Don Leary is always One that gets me That gets people That are saying Don Lagari Ligara Ligara Yeah she then studied in UCD in 2000 and graduated with a BA in Arts in English and Psychology. It was here in UCD that Jill would meet her future husband, Thomas Marr. They were introduced to mutual friends and Tom, Tom had described Jill as a light. Jill began working in RTE immediately after graduating, but in 2018, she and Tom married and they both decided they wanted to move to Australia. She worked in RTE? She worked in RTE. So they, would, they did that thing, uh, them, the two of them, and then a bunch of their friends all moved to Australia. Oh, okay. So in 2009, they moved to Melbourne and Jill began working as a unit coordinator for the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, or ABC, in an administrative and occasional on-air role at the 774 ABC Melbourne radio station. At this time, Jill's parents had moved back to Perth and Jill and Tom were in regular contact with them. So they were all, and her brother, the whole family were back in Australia. So Aoife Lines, Jill's friend who decided to move to Australia after Jill had, described Jill as, quote, self-assured, although the truth is always more complex. I was in silent awe of her confidence and of of how she would do almost anything for a laugh, dredge up anything from teenage ridiculousness to adult stupidity and move it into a funny story at once exposing and inoculating herself to embarrassment. So Jill seemed to collect friends in Australia. Her personable manner and sense of humour drew people to her. So Jill and Tom moved to Luck Street in Brunswick as kind of a hipster area of Melbourne. It's the place that all the like cool bohemian like vintage stores and awesome restaurants. I think we'd really like it there actually. I googled it today. Um, blah, 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 blah. Where was I? Yeah. Jill and Tom, they had discussed future plans of buying a house in Melbourne and potentially having a family. 
So this is from Menswear. Jill enjoyed her job at ABC, but her real passion was in comedy writing, and she hoped to start her career in oh, this really? as soon as possible. Yeah, I just thought that was really interesting, actually, because it's kind of rare you would hear that, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, this was never to be due to the actions of one psychopath piece of shit. So on the 22nd of September, Jill's colleagues told her there was a member of their team's birthday and they were having celebratory drinks after work and Jill decided to go. Jill left work at 5pm with her friend Sky and headed to Brunswick Green Bar on Sydney Road. They had some pints and at 7.50pm, Jill left the bar and went to Chinatown to meet her colleagues at the birthday party. Jill stayed at the party for a number of hours and then she and three colleagues decided to get a taxi to bar etiquette. At 1.30am, Jim and her colleague Tom Wright left the bar. Tom offered to walk Jill home, but as she, as she was so close to her house, a 10-minute walk, she told him it was okay and that she would just go by herself. Oh no. Yep. 10 minutes, dude. She was literally 10 minutes from her house. On a busy street. Like, it was like a, like a massive street. So Jill began to walk home on Sydney Road. <clears throat> it was a brightly lit, busy area, so she always felt safe walking. Jill was a wee bit tipsy and at 1.35 she called her brother to ask how their dad was. Jill's father had suffered a stroke a couple of of weeks earlier and Jill was still incredibly worried about him. The line was bad so Jill hung up. As Jill walked uphill towards her home a man stopped her. This man had been across the road and had been walking up and down and back and forth at a fast pace. He looked somewhat energised. So outside Dutch's bridal boutique on Sydney Road Jill Marr stepped back from the man She looked around a few times, maybe hoping to see someone she could talk to. The man stepped forward again and Jill stepped back once more. Jill then brandished her mobile phone at him, shaking it back and forth. Jill and the man then walked away in the same direction. This entire interaction was caught on CCTV and was to be the last ever sighting of Jill Mara alive. So after almost three hours after this interaction, Tom began his frantic search for Jill and then contacted the police. The police initially believed that Jill was just a drunk woman who had too many and decided to stay in someone's house without telling her husband. That her phone had died and because she was asleep she hadn't charged it. Therefore the urgency to search for Jill was lessened. The police contacted the local bars as well as hospital and and Jill's friends but there was no sign of Jill. Tom sat at home in a complete state of panic and it was only when Jill did not return home all day Saturday or on Saturday night that the police decided to take the matter seriously. The police initially questioned Tom and grilled him for hours about Jill's disappearance. They eventually ruled Tom out as a suspect. And this is a quote from Sergeant David Butler, who was leading the investigation. Quote, we were able to eliminate Tom reasonably quickly in this case. And the important thing with that was, let's say we never solved this case. The important thing with that is that we can confront the media and we can say, listen, it's not him. We've proven beyond any doubt that it's not him. Sergeant Butler did go on to say he felt some guilt at the manner in which Tom was treated by him and his fellow policemen. Quote, when you think about it down the track, you're left thinking, geez, we were pretty awful for the way we've treated this poor guy. Not only has he lost his wife, but now he's being treated pretty badly by us in some respects. Which is bizarre to hear a policeman ever admitting that. Like, but like the guardy don't admit that shit. Do you know know, what I mean? And not to like a a national newspaper either. Yeah, true. But there is a reasonable doubt when it comes to your other half. Yeah, but I think it was, he felt bad because they were really aggressive towards oh, him. They? Like, they weren't nice to him at all. Like, they, he had just lost her and he was in a panic and they had no reason to kind of, like, suspect that it was him because there was no sign of the CC, there was no sign of her coming back to the house. So it was like, but he, for him to be like, we were dicks is rare for, like, the police to ever say mm. anything. Usually they're like, we did our job. 
Yeah, you know true. I mean? So it was actually, I thought that was actually quite kind of him to be to be like that. Um, so police began searching the Luxway area and Brunswick again. A rigorous search was carried out, but nothing of Jill's was found. The police continued their questioning. And during this period, colleagues of Jill's created Facebook and Twitter pages to aid in the search for Jill. Thousands of people left messages of concern to Jill's family and friends, with some starting poster campaigns and their own searches in the hopes of finding Jill alive. The page also led to many women leaving messages recounting their own attacks on Sydney Road and their condemnation of the police's inability or lack of interest in policing the area whilst knowing these attacks were ongoing. Jill's disappearance was all over the news and conversations started being had about the safety of women in Australia. So on September 24th, two days after Jill's disappearance, a handbag was handed into the police by a man who said he had found it on Hope Street near Brunswick. The handbag contained Jill's belongings as well as her work ID. The police found this suspicious as they had searched the area rigorously. So this guy handed in a bag? He went to the police and was like, here's her bag. So the police had said they had like searched that area up and down, back and forth. They'd gone through like fine tooth comb. The man eventually admitted he had found the bag on the night of Jill's disappearance and brought it home, hoping to take any money or valuables he found. When he heard the news of missing Jill, he brought the bag back to the police station to help in any way that he could. Lazy tale! Lazy tale! The police decided that if Jill had walked home from bar etiquette, then she would have taken the route up Sydney Road. They began to ask local businesses for their CCTV footage, and it was here they would find the interaction between Jill and the man in the blue hoodie. Police released the footage in the hope of someone recognising the man in the video. The man himself did not come forward, But as with the Facebook page and women coming forward about being attacked, there were calls made to the police from women stating that the man in the video looked like the person who had had attacked them previously. Oh! The police searched Jill's bank account and found no transactions had been made since the night she went missing. Oh, that must be so utterly devastating. Devastating. They then traced her mobile phone and found that it was in a rural area that she would have had to been driven to. Upon searching the CCTV footage of the road leading to the rural area, the police find a match with one license plate. The car belongs to Adrian Ernest Bailey. Bailey was a serial sexual offender and it turns out he had been out on parole on the night of Jill Marsmith. Oh, well done. This gets much worse. Fucking parole. Adrian Ernest Bailey was... Now, I am not going to talk about this dude's past, his history. People love to talk about the, the childhood, blah, 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 whatever. Fuck him. Adrian Ernest Bailey was a father of four... With a long list of sexual offences. Wait till you hear this. Overall, he had spent 11 years in jail for rape and a sexual assault, beginning with the rape of a 16-year-old friend of his sister when he was 18. Whilst he was on bail for that first rape, two months later, he attempted to rape a 17-year-old girl at a bus stop. Sorry? He also attacked and raped a 16-year-old hitchhiker and raped another 16-year-old girl in his bed while his pregnant wife was downstairs. For these offences, he received a five-year sentence, but only served two years of this for good behaviour. Yeah, brilliant. In April 2001, Bailey was arrested and sentenced with 16 counts of rape between 2000 and 2001. Five of these women were sex workers who he would subject to vile and depraved sexual acts. Bailey carried out these attacks, attacks while his second wife was pregnant. He was then for, How sent, does he get these people to marry? I don't know. He was then sent, sentenced to a further 11 years in pre- prison. He served nine and was released in 2010 on parole. This man was a serial rapist. Why do you think he's letting these people out? It's insanity. Bailey was assessed in prison. Yeah. And the prison psychologist decided he was medium risks. So away you go. Out you go there now. Do these psychologists You're not hear people a, lying? Only a medium risk. So from True Crime Sisters, which is a great podcast... 
There is no sex offender register in Australia. What? Also, it is illegal to tell anyone that there is a sex criminal living near you. You can't tell anybody and there is no sex offenders register. Isn't that insane? Yeah. Isn't that fucking crazy? I didn't know that Do until... Do you ever look at a sex offenders register? No, it scares me. That shit scares me. So Bailey became the evil poster boy for the enormous flaws in Australia's parole system and sentencing systems. In February 2012, while still on parole, Bailey attacked a young man outside a bar completely unprovoked. He broke the gentleman's jaw. He was sentenced to two months in prison, but upon repeal was released back onto the streets. This wouldn't be Bailey's only parole violation. In fact, he had five in total. Yet there he was, walking around looking like an ugly prick. He's like muscly and wears like tight t-shirts oh, and yeah. white pointy toe shoes. So uh, on September 21st, Adrian Ernest Bailey was out drinking with his girlfriend on the same night that Jill was out. Adrian and his girlfriend had a row because he believed his girlfriend was not acting how he wanted her to act in the bar. Oh. His girlfriend went back to Coburg where they lived, gathered her things. How do you get these girls? I can't. I don't know. She gathered her things and she left. Okay. She like, see ya. Bailey put on a hoodie, left the house and began, oh, sorry. He, his girlfriend went back to Cobra gathered the things and left the house so he went back to the house after her she wasn't there so he put on a hoodie left the house and began his walk to Sydney Road Bailey an obvious violent misogynist went out that light night looking for someone to take his anger out on the police checked Bailey's phone records and his GPS and were able to see that his phone and Jill's phone had been on the same road at the same time on the night of September 21st both phones reached an area called Gisburn in Victoria but only one phone returned home Mm. on September 28th police arrived at Bailey's home in Coburg Bailey was not at home at the time so police showed uh, stills from the CCTV footage to his girlfriend so she was there his partner told the police that yes it was Bailey in the pictures she gave him up immediately because I'm sure she was being abused as well yeah the police searched Bailey's home and they found a shovel with dirt on it a blue hoodie covered in dirt pieces of a broken mobile phone and a sim card that Bailey's partner had found in the washing machine and a pair of his jeans Oh. When the police had checked the sim, it was confirmed it belonged to Jill Mare. Oh my God. When Bailey arrived home, he was taken to a police station for questioning. Bailey told the police about the row between him and his girlfriend and that he had spent hours looking for her as he, and that's why he had like left the house. Okay. The police told Bailey they knew where he had been that night because of his phone records. They also showed him the CCTV footage and told him that what they had found in his house. After two hours, Adrian Ernest Bailey confessed to the rape, abduction and murder of Jill Mare. Bailey told police that he tried to help Jill. Of course he had. That she looked drunk and confused. What a cunt. He said that he'd followed her and asked her if she needed a lift home and she told him to fuck off. You want a cunt? He told police he tried to kiss her and touch her bum and she'd slapped him across the face. He then said he, quote, lost it. He blamed his reaction on the argument he had had with his girlfriend earlier and that he had taken it out in Jill. Quote, I strangled her. You know, it really wasn't my intention to hurt her. All I thought was, what have I done? So just a uh, trigger warning for this next part uh, for sexual assault. Bailey dragged Jill to a back alley and raped her. He then strangled her and left her body in the alley. He went home, changed his trousers, grabbed a shovel and drove back to the alley. He put Jill in the boot and drove to the rural area of Black Hill. He dug a shallow grave and threw Jill's body into it. And this is the first person he did this to? The first person he murdered. They know That they know of. He's raped how many other people before yeah. this? Yeah. Like, Bailey told the police, quote, I cried, man, and I dug a hole. I didn't cry for me. 
I'm going to jail for a long time. I hope they bring back the death penalty before I get sentenced. I have no life left. They should have they should have the death penalty for people like me. How many chances does a person need? They never should have let me out. So Bailey drove home and began to try and create an alibi. Bailey told his landlady that he had been fixing a pipe, that it was an emergency and that was the reason he was coming home so early in the morning. He then spent the next few days having his car cleaned a number of times and then went about having his the name on his car changed over to his girlfriend's name. What? <laughs> that fucking crazy. Uh, the police asked Bailey if he would show them where Jill's body was and he agreed. So this is from the police interview with Bailey. Bailey, I want to do the right thing. It's not fair on any of this too. It's not fair any of this stuff has happened, let alone her family and stuff too. The detective said, yeah, Bailey, not knowing. Detective, would you be willing to come with me and show me? Bailey, I'll try. I'll do my best, man. Detective, I appreciate that. Bailey, I'm not sure how to get there. So the police found Jill's body and informed Tom and her devastated family. When Jill's autopsy was completed, it was found that she'd been brutally raped and strangled. So this is from the coroner's report. Dr. Matthew Lynch formulated her cause of death as compression of the neck. Miss Marr was noted to have additional bruising and lacerations consistent with the attack and rape. So on Friday the 28th of September, Bailey attended court to have the charges read against him for the rape and murder of Bill Marr, or Jill Marr. Both Jill's father and husband attended the hearing. Oh Bailey, was rem- Bailey was remanded without bail. Obviously, they couldn't let him out again. Once it was announced to the public that Bailey had been arrested, there was outcry. Women were utterly horrified that a serial race rapist had been out on parole and walking around. Jill had been murdered and if Bailey had been in prison where he belonged, Jill would still be alive. Now this, I don't know if you remember this, but this was like a huge case in Australia because it came became a thing where people were almost trying to solve it online on social media and people were like saying awful shit about him on social media and threatening to kill him and stuff. Yeah. So there was massive outcry from everyone about it. So Bailey's lawyers asked the judge to curtail the outcry on social media as it was affecting their case and Bailey had already been, condem- been condemned by the general public. The judge banned any conversations about Bailey being had on social media and threatened fines and jail terms for those who did. What? Isn't that crazy? How? How? Because his, ma- his team were like, uh, well, if anybody's talking about him, it's just making him look bad and he's already looks bad and making him look worse. And the judge was like, right, nobody talk about him. Nonsense. So on the 11th, sorry, on March 12th, 2013, Bailey decided to plead not guilty to what? Joan Mars rape and murder. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. He went back and was like, but then on the 11th of June after I'm sure his lawyers were like yeah no we can't there's nothing we can do here uh, Bailey char- changed his plea to guilty of murder and guilty on one count of rape so Justice Jeffrey Nettle that's a great name lifted a suspension order on Bailey and all previous rapes and attacks he committed were released to the public and the court oh his trial began with Bailey's lawyers arguing that his ang- anger issues uh, were the reason of the attack along with alcohol abuse yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, great. He, ra- he raped like 30 women and murdered one because he was an alcoholic. That makes sense. Bailey sat in the court- courtroom mere feet from Tom Marr and Jill's family. He kept his head down. Six separate people who knew Jill, including her father and husband, read impact statements. So this is uh, Tom's statement. Jill's poor, poor husband, God love him. And he was so strong. He did so many interviews. Like he was trying so hard to find her. And then there were people that were like, because obviously, you know, true crime cop cast are always like, the husband did it. So when he would do an interview, people were like, he was too emotional or he wasn't emotional enough. Like they were digging at him constantly, even though he didn't do it. It was nothing yeah. to do with him. Like. So from Tom's statement, the pain of not being able to tell Jill that I loved her in her final moments, the knowledge that those last moments were terrifying and painful and the knowledge that with her final walk, she had crossed paths with evil haunts me every day. 
Most of all, I miss Jill. I miss waking up late on a Sunday and having breakfast at 2pm. I miss boozy afternoons in the sunshine, making plans, laughing with her and sharing my life with her. I think of how in love we were and how of how much I've lost and how much of my life and dreams were built around Jill. I am half a person because of this crime. I think of the waste of a brilliant mind at the hands of a grotesque human being. So George McKeown, who was uh, Jill's father, this was his impact statement. It's just not okay to rape and murder my child. It was a brutal end to her life and something that will live with me for the rest of my life. I will never see my daughter bearing and rearing children. I have no other daughters. Jill lived a life full of family, friends and her beloved husband, Tom. Jill was brutally raped and murdered and is never coming back. Because of the efforts of homicide detectives and prosecutors involved in the case, justice has been done. He said, we actually live opposite a park on the river where daily there are young mothers and their children. Every young child, small baby, less than three months old. They just remind me of Gillian and they remind me of what could have been. That by now, Gillian would be three to four months pregnant. We would be engrossed in the life of the baby coming along. This is a victim impact statement. This is the impact on my wife and I. This is a life we will just never have. We can't have it. We can't have any more children. On June 19th, 2013, Justice Jeffrey Nettle handed down a sentence of non-parole 35 years for the rape and murder of Jill Marr. How many years? 35. Quote, this is what he said. As your criminal record reveals, you are a recidivist, violent, sexual offender who has little compunction about sexual offending when the mood takes you or about threatening and inflicting violence as part of the process. I infer you strangled Gillian Marr with intent to kill her, either because she would not she would otherwise have called the police or because of some form of perverted pleasure derived from taking her life. Your crime is particularly heinous and in your case, it is even made worse by your attempt to conceal the body and that the offering was committed excuse me, while you're on parole and on bail. I see little reason now and little has been suggested to suppose you will ever be rehabilitated. No, he won't ever be rehabilitated. No. He's a serial rapist. 28 days after his sentence, Bailey appealed it. What? The general public were outraged as they believed this show Bailey had no sense of remorse for the brutal act he'd carried out. The appeal was dismissed and Bailey would have had to carry out his entire sentence. So Victoria's parole board. What's the appeal on the basis? He was like, oh, the judge didn't give all the facts and he didn't really talk that much about it. He should have talked more about my side. What's your side, motherfucker? You're a serial rapist. What's your side? You have no side. You're, you should be, you can't, you can't be in the How general body. How lawyers do this shit? It's insane. So Victoria's parole board, a parole board admitted it should have cancelled the parole of Adrian Ernest Bailey after he pleaded guilty to assaulting a man in 2012. They said, quote, the board acknowledges a failure to identify the escalating risks that Mr. Bailey posed to the community. The board was not asked or advised to cancel Mr. Bailey's parole, but acknowledges now that it should have done so. The board expressed its condolences and expressed its regret and apologised to Mr. Marr for its decision. The board acknowledged it had made the wrong decision, but the decision was made in good faith. The meeting was a full and frank discussion. Regardless of whether it was done in good faith, you let a serial rapist walk the streets. Ew. In August 2013, Justice Ian Callanan was asked to review the board following Jill's case and he stated that it was, quote, not easy to understand why the serial rapist was in jail when he was convicted of the Geelong assault. He said the parole board had both cause and opportunity to cancel Bailey's parole. Quote, he ought to have been known by then to be a recidivist, serious, violent sexual offender with a history of being 
so being so from a young age with an established pattern of doing so there was no single document containing a straightforward complete chronology of his criminal history or analytical material relating to this on its files offending in a violent way when on parole should not have been uh, countenanced as effectively as it was by awaiting the outcome of the appeal so basically he was saying they didn't have any of the proper information about what this chap had done he had broken his parole five times and they still didn't put him in jail like why didn't they have any of the information because this is what he said Callanan highlighted the following and gave recommendations as to how the um, adult parole board could improve its services and avoid situations like this happening again so one Callanan stated there is too much emphasis on the rehabilitation of offenders and not enough on the possibility of them re-offending and that this culture needed to change that parole needs to be seen as a privilege to those who prove themselves worthy and not an entitlement Parole conditions, that any breaking of bail conditions would mean automatic conviction. This had not previously been in place. Okay. He also suggested that the parole board needed further help, that they were massively overworked and understaffed. He suggested a former justice to step in and help. Mr. Callanan wants victims' families to be given two weeks' notice before an offender is paroled. He has also recommended a second panel review all parole approvals. So the Victorian government had agreed to all 23 of the Callanan report's recommendations and moved to implement most of them immediately. It's shit. It's always the way. Something absolutely terrible has to happen for shit to change. Yeah. Like how many people have we read and like she died and then they changed the thing. This is exactly what happened here. Like, so the, oh, sorry. In March 2015, Bailey was found guilty on three more rapes. When the suppression order was lifted, three previous victims of Bailey recognised him and went to the police. In three separate trials held between 2012 and 2013, Bailey was convicted of a further three counts of rape and two counts of sexual assault. He was sentenced to another 18 years in prison and his non-parole period was extended from 35 to 43 years. Bailey began appealing but only received a three-year reduction on his sentence. If he is ever released, it will be when he is 83 years old. And he's never getting parole. Why does he keep appealing? Because he's a fucking narcissist and a sociopath. Like this man is, there's, he literally, he has to rape. It's like a compunction. He's like, I have to do this. Like he's, and not only that, he's fucking raping children as well. Like I know she was older, but he was raping 16 year olds. Do you know what I mean? So Jill's rape and murder caused a ripple in Australia. Women began to speak out and would not allow any victim blaming to be placed upon Jill. Organisations were started in Jill's memory to help the victims of rape and sexual assault. She was remembered in Australia and Ireland as a strong, wonderful person who deserved a long life and had it taken from her by only, by, only by a violent, evil man, but by a judicial system that is regularly failing women and girls. On September 30th, days after the discovery of Jill's body, a march was organised by Melbourne photographer. Mel- did they say Melbourne? Melbourne. How do they say it? They don't say Melbourne. Anyway, however they say it. Say. They say it a different way. Not Melbourne. I don't know. Uh, by photographer Philip Werner in Jill's honour. 30,000 people walked along Sydney Road in her honour, some calling for the safety of women, some just openly weeping. Afterwards, Edith McCone, Jill Marr's mother, publicly thanked the Melbourne community for its support. White wristbands were handed out to those who attended to signify the fight against the violence towards women. Tom Morris said his wife was happiest on making other people laugh. I couldn't ask for more loyalty, happiness and fun, he said. Goodbye, my beautiful, funny girl. I love you forever. On October 5th, Jill's funeral and cremation was held in Melbourne. The family asked the public to respect their privacy in such a private and upsetting time. They say Melbourne. Melbourne, that's what it is. So in Drogheda, a mass was held on the same day to commemorate Jill's life. 
Cardinal I, Sh- I know. Cardinal Sean Brady said, quote, There are no words which can begin to capture the overwhelming grief and loss the family of Jill Mara must be feeling at present. So this is from the Irish Times. Father Oliver Devine, who actually married them, said Miss Mara would be remembered as a thinker, a composer of poetry, someone who wanted to make a difference. So the entire town of Drogheda came to a standstill as hundreds of people grieved the violent and unnecessary loss of Jill Mara. So <clears throat> her husband's actually incredible. So Tom Marr became an activist and started an organisation called White Ribbon Ireland. So its aim, according to its website, is, quote, we are here to engage non-violent men and women to participate in a growing movement to end the silence and suffering caused by men's violence against women. He fucking says it. Yeah. He says it out. White Ribbon is uh, the world's largest men's organisation dedicated to combating harmful social norms that perpetrate men's violence against women. We are currently 60 different countries and although this blog blog has run out of the Irish chapter, we understand that this is a global issue, thereby inviting all men and women affected by men's violence against women, patriarchy and institutionalised sexism to participate. Wow. He's fucking amazing. Tom told her, Daddy. Oh. Her. Quote, it's a call to men to end violence against women, to talk about these issues and discuss issues around this issue. Men are the primary perpetrators. Primary perpetrators, because we don't need that, not all men bullshit. So we need to address men and the wider culture. Primary perpetrators. Shine a light on something that has been swept under the carpet. Mar also added that he could never forgive Bailey. Good. We're feeling that when he thinks about the serial rapist, I wish him harm. This is not a pleasant thing to say or a pleasant thing to feel, but it's the truth. I respect, respect the that. And that is the story of the horrific rape and murder of Jill Marr by a serial rapist who had raped 20 women previously and was out on parole and had violated his parole five times and was still able to Like how at that point is there not a psychologist that goes this level because that number is like beyond but not even beyond that number always leads to death yeah like it's escalating and even the 17 year old girl that he attacked at the bus stop she got away from him but when she was getting when he was raping her he was like I'm going to kill you he's like I'm going to kill you so he was working up to it and she she got away from him thank god but like um, he did, did this she get away from she just kicked him fought and got away from him at a bus stop. Yeah, and all those, the he did this thing where he went after sex workers. So when he wasn't able to rape people because he wasn't getting away with it, he said, I'm going to go after sex workers now because nobody will believe them. And he raped something like seven, eight sex workers and he would drive them to uh, isolated areas and park the car against a gate, their door against the gate so they couldn't get out of the car and like proceed to like violently attack them and rape them and brutally rape them. What? Yeah, he is fucking crazy. You cannot rehabilitate this. And all this like woke bullshit. There are some people that you fucking cannot rehabilitate. This is damage. Like there is something wrong with him. This is not a rehabilitation. And he also told the court that, that, not that, that, not at this trial, but at a previous trial that he was at, that he told the psychologist, he, he did a course about not raping people. And he told the, the court that he told the psychologist what they wanted to hear that he didn't yeah, believe. Of course he fucking did. And they said he was medium risk. This man had raped 20 women. He was medium risk. And that goes to show you the lack of care they put towards women's safety. Yeah. That's all that is. It's like, well, you know, and then there was a lot of victim blaming with Jill. Why was she walking home by herself? Why was he out of prison raping women? 
She was 10 minutes from her fucking home on a well-lit street. The CCTV footage came from a shop. It's like a fucking shop full of streets or street full of shops. I was listening to the podcast I listened to today, apart from Men's Rea, were all from Australian girls doing the podcast. Yeah. And, you know, they were like, this story affected them so badly because there was such outcry about it. And because, you know, it became very much a victim blaming thing where they were trying to blame John Mar for her own attack. They were like, why was she drunk? Yeah, I know. I why see. Was I remember they were like, why was she walking why up was the she road? Why was she walking up the road? Well, thereby, for the grace of God, go you. Because how many of us have done that? Like that, to the fact that the poor girl was walking home and there happened to be a fucking serial rapist in the area. Her family are incredible. Her There's a lot of stuff about her dad and her mum in newspapers and stuff now. And I don't know why people are talking about them because it's nothing to do with Jill and they're just private citizens. Leave them the fuck alone. Like, What's in the newspapers? I don't know, I'll tell you after this. But like, there's just stuff in the newspapers about them. And I'm like, leave them alone. Their daughter was violently murdered. They're not going to be the fucking Brady Bunch. Like... That's not possible. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but Tom Marr is doing incredible work. I haven't really read much about what he's doing, but I did read the, the White Ribbon uh, website. And for him to be so openly saying, listen, lads, it is our problem. We are the people that are doing yes. this. And of course, we say it's not all men. It's like, so when I'm walking down the street and there's a man there, how am I meant to know whether it's not all men? How am I meant to know whether he's not going to do something to me? My brain has to go not all, or my brain has to go all men. So I walk away and I don't get harmed. Yeah. That's what we have to think. And that's what the problem is. They don't understand. It's like, I have to imagine that it is all men because I don't know the ones that are doing it. And they are the ones that are primarily doing it. So um, if you want to support Tom Marr, if you don't, it's fine. I don't really understand. I don't really know exactly what he's doing. I'm sure people have some problems with it or whatever. But like, um, yeah, I was very angry when I was reading it today. And I'm so sorry to her family. Because I can't imagine what the fuck that's like. Like, it's horrific. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it seems to be that the Victorian government have started to make changes and they're trying to do things better. But like, that parole thing is a fucking joke. A joke! Like, and the, but even the, the Justice Callanan who did the report said he was quite shocked that they actually came out and were like, yeah, we fucked up. Hands up, we fucked up. Like, but they had to. Yeah. Because the media was like burning everything to the ground. Like people were angry. 30,000 people marched on Sydney, Sydney Road and were like, we need answers. You have a serial rapist. And when he barred, he put the injunction against people from talking about it on social media. When that was lifted and his pictures were everywhere, three other people that he had raped came forward and were like, I only came forward because I saw his picture on Facebook. What? Because you barred everybody talking about him. So you stopped more people from coming forward going, he did this to me too and three more people came forward and he was jailed again for another 15 years so it goes to show you that like it's like you know they were like we don't know if he did it oh shut the fuck up he did it he's a fucking serial rapist of course he did it it. like his his lawyers because they had nothing like they had all over her so initially he said not guilty and then they were like listen man your DNA is all over her you're a serial rapist they found everything in your house we can't get you out of this. So we're going to go with the uh, borderline personality disorder, alcoholism, anger route and see if we'll get anything out of that. And they didn't. And did he have a, like a, a terrible childhood or something? Oh, yeah, he did terrible childhood. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. We all have terrible childhoods. I'm not seriously raping some people that I know of. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just, I, I, I understand people have to talk about those things. That I know. Of. But I get bored with the, um, why did he do it? Because he's a rapist. 
Yeah, no, I think there's a thing, but um, my thing isn't like, did he have a terrible childhood? He like that makes sense. My thing is like, was that one of the arguments they went with? Oh yeah, no, it was. They not that time. Okay, but the second time when he got brought back in for those three other rapes, they were like, oh, he was abused as a child. Oh well, boo, fuddly, fickety who? My mm. grandfather was abused as a yeah, child. Your he didn't wander around like, like, and he got married at eighteen to a sixteen-year-old girl. Yeah, he's a fucking... and she was pregnant at the time. And then he had another child with her and then raped someone when he was with her. And most of the time from the first child to the second child, he was in prison, most of it, for raping a 16 year old. Then he got out of prison, obviously broke up with her, met somebody else, got her pregnant, raped two girls while he was with her, went back to jail, came out, raped another girl, raped numerous sex workers, more of whom I'm sure could come forward, but happened because nobody will fucking believe them. And then raped John and killed her and basically murdered her because she was going to the police and he was like I don't want to go back to prison and a psychologist said the reason he kept doing it and this is why the condemnation of the parole board was so hard she was like the reason he kept doing this and doing this is because he was getting away with it and he was confident and he was like what are they going to do they're letting me out of jail I'm out of jail I raped all these women and I'm not in jail and then he would do the good behaviour in jail and be the like dutiful fucking a sociopath Sarah a fucking sociopath and a psychopath. Like he would do the like, I'm such a good, you know, prisoner. And they'd be like, okay, two years, get out. They go rape someone else. And they're like, back in prison. Oh, 11 years old, you only have to do nine. There you go, bye-bye. It's just crazy. It's fucking insane. And it's like, women's lives don't matter. No. We're just expendable. Like, And because the judicial system is mainly male. This is just facts of life and they're they're socialised as men to think that if a woman is raped she's probably walking around the street with a skirt on and she was asking for it yeah. and that's in their brains yeah. like my mother said that to me one time when I was younger <gasps> and I was so horrified when she said it to me and then when I sat down and explained to her what she had said she was like oh yeah she was like to me oh you know walking around those little skirts like what are they doing what's going to happen to them I said ma'am they can walk around with nothing on them men shouldn't be raping them it doesn't matter what they're wearing but she'd been told from an early age, cover yourself up. Cover your legs. Oh, and is that thing Sit where it's with your like, legs clo- crossed. you're taught to yeah. adjust yourself. Yes. But they're rather not, than they're, boys rather than aren't man. taught yeah. not to rape. Like the, you know, I've seen things on, on Instagram and stuff before where people were saying, you know, they would be for Christmas and their uncle would be coming over and their mother or father would be like, don't wear a short skirt. In front of your uncle? Yeah. Your uncle? Yeah. So you're not saying to your uncle, stop looking at my 11-year-old daughter, you fucking paedophile. Yeah, we had daughter, we had uncles. And my, like, da- my dad had um, two of our family members that we just stopped talking to because my dad... They were fucking pervy bastards. We were at the house and they said, one of them said something and my dad was like, we're leaving now. Yeah. And there was like murder and they were like, oh, you know, it's just, you know, it's just your it's uncle. Not. And my dad was like, I don't give a fuck no. who it is. That's my daughter. And somehow that makes it 10 times worse than your yeah. uncle. Yeah. But like to tell, um, to shame you and me. My dad hates shame. pervy men. Hates I them. hate them. Hates they them. They make. I think it's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me in terms of like growing up with a man that was like that. But I always remember. And I know that like he is somehow like accommodating. But I always remember him being like, boys don't think with their heads, no. Sarah Jane. No. Because they are socialized to not think with their heads. Yeah. Boys are social. Like when you see, for example, oh. growing up. When you opened the third page of a newspaper, what was on it? Oh, the fucking ladies with the boobs. That was 
normalised for men to be able to open a newspaper and see a woman's breasts yeah. at nine o'clock in the morning and no one had a problem with it. No. Everyone was like, that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. That's how you're going to socialise your, your, young, your young boys and yeah. your men. That's acceptable. They are allowed sex like that. They're allowed sex whenever they want. They're allowed to see boobs whenever they want. They're allowed to have sex and they're allowed to see vaginas whenever they want. It's this constant greed and need. And then when you take that away from them, yeah. that's when you get the old incels and the rapists yeah. and the sex offenders. And like, just like, I remember being in a, in a nightclub one night. I'll never forget this. I think I was in Cork. But Yvonne, or maybe Athlone, I can't remember, we were somewhere anyway, we were younger. We were standing at the top of the stairs and we were about to leave. And a man walked up the stairs and grabbed my sister's two breasts with his hands. And she flattened him with a slap. And she got thrown out. He just walked up and went like that. And the two of us were just like, we were so taken aback, like just out of nowhere, out of, the, out of nothing. He, walked, he was looking at her, walked up the stairs, grabbed her breasts. That's assault. And she just, when I tell you, she laid him out. And Yvonne's tiny, Yvonne's like five foot and she weighs about seven stone. She fucking laid him out. And the bouncer was like, get out. And I was like, he just grabbed her breast and he was like, get out. Like, that's what, that's what you're dealing with. And regardless of when that was, 20 years ago or whatever, that shit's still happening. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, so you see that from an early age and you're like, oh, okay, so we're just meant to be like, cool. Yeah. Like, what did he think she was going to do? Oh, let's go home. Yeah. Because you came up and grabbed my two breasts. Yeah. I hope that guy's dead now. So. I just think it's the like understanding of like it's not even the understanding, right? Because it's just just but like that thing where it's like almost like well, that's mine. Yeah. Yes. Like I'm allowed. To I'm do allowed. That. I'm allowed to. Do that. And then it's like and but then it's the thing. What I because I remember and this is a really long time ago and I think I told you the story. I was in Cuba. Cuba. Yeah. Oh my god. And I was still in college. Mm-hmm. I was a baby. Hello, Baba. And I was standing at the bottom. Do you remember in Cuba they used to have like the DJ booth and the floor was blue? Yeah. Oh I my was, God, Cuba. Yeah, standing <laughs> at the side of the DJ booth talking to um, Yvonne. Right. And this guy came up behind me. And when I say he put his fingers inside of me. Oh my God, Sarah. Like, grabbed me. I didn't know who he was. I had no idea who he was. And it looked, it just immediately like put me in this like, what? state you, of shock you just go uh, and I turned around and it, like because Yvonne was talking to me and I just stopped talking because it uh, wasn't like this thing of like yeah it's because you do go your body just kind of goes yeah but it wasn't even that like, like he was like like grabbing me he just came up and did it he was right beside me so it didn't even look like like Yvonne was like he didn't even make eye contact with you like you never looked at him you never spoke he just to him it. he just did it and so I just turned to the angle that I and I was like move your hand and he was like, no, make me. And I was like, move your hand. And I punched him. Good. And when I say I punched him, it wasn't like a like, Soft, I punched like him you... so hard that his nose broke. Good. And there was blood all over me and there was blood all over him. Christ, and the fuck? bouncers came and took me and Yvonne out. Yeah. And I was like, if you're taking me out, you take, take him, him out. out. Yeah. And I remember because the, the music stopped. And everybody looked. Because he punched him. And, well, no, because there was like this big rockets and there was blood oh, everywhere. Okay, okay. And I was right at the DJ booth. Yeah. And anyway, and they, we went upstairs and, and I was like, I'm not leaving until you get him. Yeah. And uh, the bouncer was like, no, like, get out, get out. And I was like, I will, you may call the guards or I will call the guards. Yeah. He assaulted yes. me. 
Um, and they were like, you fucking broke his nose. And I was like, I'll break it again. I was like, I'm not leaving until you get someone, until you get a guard and until you physically remove him from your premises. I was like, he assaulted me. He put his hands on my body. Um, I had every right to protect myself. And I told him to take his hands off me. Um, I never forget it. I remember being like, I remember just being like, why are you, not even why you throw me out? Because I was like, yeah, I broke his fucking nose and I'd do it again. (laughs) But I was like, he that I t- asked him to take his hands off me, and I, I remember clearly saying to him because I was like, Get I was your shocked, hands and I was like, me. if you don't take your hands off me, I'm going to punch you. And whatever way I was standing, I was kind of on a height, so when I punched him, I landed like right down right. into his nose. Um, and I remember my hand was very sore. Um, but like justice like when he was looking at me he was like, do like yeah, yeah what, like what because, are you going to do about you, it? You are the item. You are the thing. And therefore he can have the thing. Like, and then you can't argue. Yeah. That because you are a woman and that's what men want yeah. is women. And that's a lot of the problem as well. Because why are you hire, Why do you have bouncers? They're meant to de-escalate situations. And they're also meant to help the patrons that are going into your club. Mm. So if someone is being sexually assaulted, they should be pulled aside and the guards should be called. You shouldn't be fucking them out onto the street where that person that did that could potentially follow yeah. them. Yeah, but they're not getting their proper training because what are they? They're just big dudes. Like they don't yeah. have proper training. And when you're in a place where there's a lot of women, that's a vulnerable situation, and a lot of men. That, and when there's alcohol and drugs and anger and sex, and it's that's what happens. But instead of going pulling that girl aside and going right, you sit down here. We're going to call the guards. Or, get out. Yeah. Get out for you potentially to this for this to happen to you yeah. again. But like we all like you with that story. Colin has that story. But stories, everybody has that story. I mean, I have so many. I have another uh, story where I was walking out of the. Like I went down to the off license, you know, I, I think I was like maybe eleven or twelve, and I was there was like before the you know shops opened late. Yeah. So I walked down to the off license and got like a packet of crisps. I remember it was like autumn, but yeah. it was like late autumn. Yeah. It's like eight o'clock at night. It was dark, and I was walking back by myself. Yeah. And uh, an elderly man on a on a bike cycled past me and grabbed my arse. Like, what is that? And then was like, nice bum. And I was like... Like, and I remember being absolutely, like, disgusted. And I got home and I remember saying to my dad. And like that, my dad was always, like, very much, like... Like, men aren't... Men are not uh, to be trusted. Do not trust them. Yeah. Don't, don't, like, leave yourself, like, vulnerable. Vulnerable. Make sure you look, like, after you. And it was never about, like, me being like, don't go out in that or don't go out in that. He was like, go out in whatever you want. Just look after yourself. Just look after yourself. Don't get yourself into a situation because they can't be trusted. Um, And he was like, my dad's like, my dad hates sleazy dudes. My my dad has a real dislike for pornography as well. Yeah, you told me that before. Where he'd be like, that messes with your brain. It does mess with your brain. That's proven that it does desensitize a lot of men to sex and it makes a lot of impressionable men believe that sex is one way where it's like the woman is there to be used and abused and unfortunately that is something that a lot of men carry with them in life until they unlearn that but like there are so many stories that you hear of just and you know that that palpable fear you get when you're in a situation and nothing's happened just yet you know that moment you know you're like like even do you remember we went to that hotel recently and there was that guy that was like living there oh the Russian living in Russia yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. he was clearly like 
coming on to you, I was waiting for it to change. So I didn't I was, even realise that, by the I, way. <laughs> I know, but I was waiting for the mood because yeah. I was clearly like, I need you to fuck off. Because he was not only drunk, he was on something as yeah. well. And, you, and I, was, I thought it was going to go to that kind of like where yeah. he was like, well, what the fuck, you know, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, I was waiting for that m- moment to yeah. change. But it's it's just like, there are so many moments, like, and I'm, I'm like one person. I'm yeah. one girl. You're one girl. Yeah. And between me and you, we probably have like six or seven stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I have a story where like I was babysitting I was like 16 years old and I used to sleep in my sister's down I used to sleep in the parlor yeah and um they I think I told you the story well, I think one they, of her friends or something and her her some like my brother-in-law his friend came in and woke me on the sofa and tried to kiss me oh my god and I just got I was so like I don't oh. know what to do in this situation he was like maybe 29 nearly 30 we years of age I was like 15 16 and I was then in a situation where I was stuck in a room with him and I had said to him like what the fuck like you need to stop and I just didn't know how to deal with it so I but I just left and I never said anything I just and I left in the middle of like it was anything could happen to me no one knew I'd left Michaela's and no one knew I was walking home by myself and I walked back up through the park by myself in the middle like it was maybe like five or four in the morning um, to my parents' house and I just like walked in walked upstairs and got into bed and was like well how do I process that? What do I do? Like what do I do? And that is the thing it's like it's, it almost changes you in a way yeah. where you learn this thing where oh my god I can't trust people. Yeah and that's, that's and we, le- we learn yeah. that at a much younger age yeah. where you're like I can't And that doesn't happen regularly to boys. No. There isn't a sit- no. I don't Graham doesn't have a single story if where, I ask Graham yeah, yeah, a story yeah, yeah. Yep. he doesn't have a single no. story where someone like he woke up and there was a guy like trying to yeah. kiss him like I, I think the only thing that I ever was really terrified is I was in college and I was there. Were, I used to live in Salbridge when I first went to college and there's the 67A bus stop in Maynooth that's kind of like in a rounded little cul-de-sac and you would stand there and wait so I had been studying late and I got the bus at like the last bus at like half ten and I was waiting at the bus stop and across from that there was um that hotel that I can't remember the name of Colin will remember and was it in Maynooth? yeah oh what the fuck the Glen Royal Glen Royal and there was a bar in there and this guy I could see him walking up the path and he was locked like he was pissed so I obviously been drinking the Glen Royal so I kind of just put my earphones in stood in the corner didn't talk and it was only me and him so he was drunk and he was standing there and then two girls came along and I was like oh thank god so he started talking to me and I was just like whatever you did that thing where you made me take my earphones out you know when you're ignoring someone and they go you're like fuck off so I just took my earphones out and I was like what and he started just talking babbling blah 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 and I was like, yeah, okay. Mm-mm-mm. And then he was like, you're very rude. You're very rude. And I was like, it's half ten at night and I have no interest in talking to you. And he got really close to my face and he said to me, you're really fucking lucky there's other people here. And just walked off. And I literally was like, I think a little bit of pee came out. Like, honestly. And he wasn't big. I'll never forget him. He was short. He was yeah. wearing all black. He wasn't a big dude. But I remember I just texted a call on and I was like, oh my God, I'm actually going to pass away. Like, I nearly died. Because I wasn't being, like, you just... I didn't think it was going there. I was just like, "This annoying drug dude." It's annoying but it's not dude. even this thing of like, I didn't think it was going there. It's just like you're a like, guy. how many women do you know? How many women do you know, or how many stories of women yeah. do you know of them coming up to a random person at a bus stop, yeah. drunk, yeah, and then going, "If you don't fuck it, like, how yeah. dare you not talk yeah. to me? Why aren't you talking to me? Like, like you're very rude. You're very yeah. rude." I'm not rude. I don't have fuck to fucking off, talk to you. I don't know it's you. Half ten in the night, and you know. No, but how many women do you have you ever never. heard of a woman? A woman would like, never do that because like, a drunk woman would be too afraid because she'd be like, "I'm going to get murdered." Yeah. Because if I'm sober, I'm going to get murdered. If I'm drunk, I'm going to get murdered. Like I can't. You can't win. And that's the thing. And even what what Tom Mara was saying, he was like, 
you know, people are like, it's not all men, but we don't know which men it is. So we got to think it's all men. Mm. We don't know. Give us a list. Mm. Point them out. We'll avoid them. But for now, you because... Live, you live in Australia and Ireland, you can't get a list. No, you can't get a list. But like, point them out to us, whatever. But right, for, for now, in our heads, we have to think it's all men. Yeah. Because if we don't, things like this happen... Or like she didn't, she was just walking around. And then it's like, well, why were you talking to him? Why were you out at night? Why were you out late? Why were you by yourself? But I thought it's not all men. Mm. So what men is it? Do you have a list, sir, that you can give me of the men I am to avoid? So right now I have to think it's all men. Mm. And that's what these people don't get. That's what these women and men are like. My son is a gentleman. Congratulations, your son is a gentleman. That's fine. But I don't know that at two o'clock in the morning on a dark road. Yeah. So unless you can give me a list detailed list of the men that I am meant to avoid I will avoid all of them yeah and that's just it's that easy it's that simple for people to grasp like you know and when women say in say tweets or things men men blah 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 people are like not all men yes but men Mm. it is men who are doing it Mm. do you want me to say Peter up the road no men yeah anyway I'm annoyed now so I'll stop (laughs) but it's just frustrating and it's annoying and it's like every day every fucking day this shit is happening and it's what? happening to girls, children. Yeah. Children are being raped. Mm. And instead of saying men are the problem, you're saying not all men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come back to me when your daughter is raped. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's Angry Corner with Emma and Sarah <laughs> We're going to go and we're going <laughs> to read a happy thing and look at a happy thing and not The Sopranos tonight because I'm having really fucking weird dreams. Oh, really? Talking fish and shit. So we're not doing that tonight. He, he has a talking fish, Yeah, he's he? like the whole, there's a whole thing with it. It's a season of like talking fish. Yeah. Like the people that he's murdered are talking fish, talking to him. And now I'm dreaming about talking fish. So we're not doing that tonight. We're going to watch a happy episode. Are you going to watch telly? Burgers. What watch Ted Lasso. Oh, yay. You like it? I started it. Yay. Yeah. It's so happy making. It is. It's like everything's Jason Sudeikis is so wonderful. So good. They're all great. Like, they're great. Um, and I'm watching The Morning Show as well. The Morning Show. Season two. I can't And I'm watching Only Murders in the Building. Oh, is it good? Yeah, it's really okay, good. I'll watch that. That'll be my next Martin movie. Short and, like, Steve Martin, Martin and Steve Martin together. You can't base it. They just are making me happy. That's Yay. my childhood. Happy making shows. Happy yeah. making shows. We're yeah. going to watch happy making shows. Um, say goodbye to the people. Everybody, goodbye. Say all men. Hashtag all men. Hashtag all men. Yeah! <laughs> say happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Bye-bye. Watch out. Becky's a